Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. might be less football being played but bet online has way more stuff to bet on this playoff season from score totals player performance props to where the next coach is going to land bet online is the number one spot for all things nfl betting in 2022 and with the new year comes a new updated desktop and mobile website so sign up today to receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit just use our promo code believe to get started that's b-l-e-a-v and it's not just football. Bet online's basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC odds coverage is the best in the business. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, Bet Online is the number one online wagering destination. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, folks, this is Jeremy Evans, your host of the Believe in Sports Law podcast. With Jeremy Evans via the Believe Podcast Network. As always, a pleasure to be with you and a pleasure uh, to uh, have you join us. And thank you again for listening in and making the Believe in Sports Law podcast the number one sports law podcast in the world. So today is Monday, January 21st, 2022. It has been a whirlwind of a month in January. And um, obviously looking forward to being back with you in February as well and throughout the rest of the season. Let's take a quick commercial break to talk about NordVPN. Grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com slash believe or use the code believe, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get up to 70% off your NordVPN plan plus one additional month for free. It's also risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Now let's get back to the show. So uh, today's episode we're going to be talking about, which is, uh, this is episode five of season four. We're going to be talking about a new state of NIL management. So we're talking about a new sort of uh, proposal that has come through with regard to name, image, and likeness. Now, if you recall, this was uh, something that was done back in July of uh, 2021, where states, particularly California and other states, began to follow after that, passed uh, the Fair Pay to Play Act and similar laws, which allowed student athletes to profit from their name, image, and likeness. So basically to profit from their celebrity and athlete status on social media and in other business endeavors, uh, endeavors. So essentially what happens is brands would come to athletes and say, we want to use your profile to promote products. So essentially sports influencers, it obviously goes beyond that, but that's sort of the scheme, right? That's the, that's the, the, the setup in terms of um, what, what's so, what was supposed to happen with NIL. And then of course, the short history on this is that NIL was really born out of um, sort of uh, college athletic departments, universities making money from uh, television contracts, from apparel deals, and that sort of thing. 
And then of course the time and effort that goes into playing sports and then athletes began to complain, particularly athletes in the basketball and uh, football space, uh, namely because those are the two sports that did not have well-established minor leagues, uh, particularly uh, being able to make a choice when you got up high school to go to college or uh, to go pro and get drafted. The NBA has the one and done rule and the NFL has the junior rule. Of course, some things have changed in the NBA uh, since NIL uh, became a thing back in uh, July. And even prior to that, there is now the G League, which is formerly the development league with the NBA. There's the professional pathways program with the NBA that allows uh, high school graduates to come in uh, directly uh, through that development system. And now there is the overtime elite league based in Atlanta Uh, That actually some news came out today that they're getting into a partnership with Meta, which obviously owns Facebook and Instagram, into some technology and virtual reality products and getting into the metaverse. So that's going to be very interesting. But the Overtime Elite League pays high school athletes age 16 to 19 uh, at least $100,000 a year, provides them some special education, some financial literacy um, insurance and that sort of thing. And it's just a way for high school athletes who don't want to play for the high school teams, want to make money and have a little bit more freedom when it comes to education to do that. So applaud all of those efforts. I think it's great for the economy. And I think it's great when people have a choice, uh, sort of open market uh, freedom, uh, mentality, I think is, is the right way to go, uh, in these circumstances. But uh, so that's kind of the background on this, right? And then now, of course, name, image, and likeness is not something that uh, we needed state law to invent. Uh, name, image, and likeness has been around for years through what they call rights of publicity. And this is where somebody could, if you you know, put somebody in false light or said bad things about somebody, this is sort of all these torts uh, that have been around for years. And so, of course, I, I, I think sort of what happened is, is that uh, the NCAA was somewhat slow at moving its feet um, and maybe justifiably so in, in terms of um, what the NCAA is trying to protect, which is amateurism. I think arguments can be made for that. But uh, ultimately, the NCAA um, did not want to really move on, on this. And then, of course, state law began to push um, these NIL laws, which essentially forced the NCAA to change its posture when it came to name, image, and likeness. So these state laws, uh, many of which came online in, on July 1st, 2021, and now we've had millions of dollars basically exchange hands between um, some college athletes and brands and what have you. And there's been a lot of cool things. There's been a lot of really cool activations and that, and that sort of uh, prospect. Now, of course, initially when these NIL rules were drafted, uh, there was talk sort of about, okay, well, what's the scheme going to look like? Uh, what's What's the process for this? And sort of one model was, okay, well, we should have Uh, The athletes themselves basically manage this. They can go out and hire an agent or a lawyer or both, and they can broker these deals. And they would just report back to the school on what what the deals were. And then schools got a little more involved and said, well, no, we should have some compliance programs and we should. And of course, by the way, this is all happening within a seven to 10 month period uh, because we're sort of in a um, really just started this. 
And uh, so we're in this sort of stage of uh, the beginning stages of this. So a lot of these things have been really kind of whirlwind, but uh, so you had a situation where uh, schools began to sort of bring in compliance programs, compliance officers and say, okay, well, how do we sort of monitor these deals? Then schools began to implement programs where students could essentially log into a platform, tell the school what the deal was, and they could sort of run it through their compliance programs. And at least just to notify folks about what was going on. And then, of course, you had tech companies get involved and say, okay, well, how about if we take the approach of why don't we just give the deals to these athletes directly? Let's broker a deal. Let's have a platform. So let's use Open Doors as an example. This is a sort of technology data company and a platform company that says, well, we have your data, we have a profile, but then let's take that data uh, and then let's match you up with a brand through a social media platform like Twitter. And that's who the deal is with. It's with Twitter and Open Doors. But let's say let's broker a deal with Jordan and Nike or Adidas or what have you. And based on your following and your engagement, you have these opportunities to choose in essentially a drop-down menu, what brand do you want to promote? And this is how much money you're going to get paid. So that was sort of another model that was introduced. But somewhere in the back of all of this, there was really sort of two things that were left um unsort of changed or unaddressed. And one was uh, the idea of a federal versus a state model of NIL laws. And of course, currently it's, it's state laws, state NIL laws. And that makes sense from a historical perspective. Uh, most state laws deal directly with rights of publicity. There's no real federal laws when it comes to rights of publicity. There might be case law, uh, particularly with the Supreme Court, um, but uh, in terms of what's come out of that. But you know, pretty much, you know, you're dealing with state law. And then, of course, uh, we live in a constitutional republic, right? So uh, most states have uh, the, have sort of the ability to pass laws, the ability uh, to really hold uh, a majority of the laws on the books, um, and this sort of this idea of sort of states' rights and, and things that are not reserved in the U.S. Constitution for the federal government are given to the states, so that's a vast amount of laws. So I, from the beginning, always thought that the states would be the ones that would come up with these laws. And frankly, I thought it was good for competition because the states could compete with each other. And that's what you want. You want states to compete each other. And this is frankly great for the athletes. So that sort of question is, there's still some folks out there that want to push for a federal law. The other idea is, will the NCAA get involved in this? And will they eventually pass some sort of national threshold? That is very likely to happen uh, in terms of how that's going to look and what how that's going to play out. Uh, but then there was sort of this other question of would universities ever get into the actual management of player profiles when it came to negotiating deals for them, landing deals for them? And of course, the bigger question is, what does that look like with compliance? And two, what does that look like in terms of payment? So uh, is the school then going to be taking a payment, administrative fee, if you will, for this idea of uh, name, image, and likeness management? And before we get into answering that question, I want to take a quick uh, commercial break to tell you about Masterworks. So Masterworks is a uh, terrific platform. It's an investing platform that allows you to buy shares uh, representing an investment in blue chip art. 
So you can invest in icons like Picasso, Monet, and Warhol. It's uh, and, and it's interesting because the art price uh, for blue chip art has actually outpaced the S and P five hundred uh, by one hundred and sixty four percent from nineteen ninety two to two thousand and twenty one. And although this is not investment advice and shouldn't serve as that, uh, Masterworks is um, has had some great returns uh, for these uh, blue chip paintings. So you can actually have a, an opportunity now to get priority access. Uh, with their game day pro promo. So if you go to masterworks.com slash believe, that's masterworks.com slash believe or B-E-L-A-V, you can see some important disclosures about Masterworks uh, at uh, masterworks.com slash disclaimer. But again, Masterworks is a uh, this uh, new website where you can invest in blue chip art with icons like Picasso, Monet, and Warhol. And again, you can go to masterworks.com slash believe and I'll can see, you can also see masterworks.com slash disclaimer uh, for some of the disclaimers there. All right, folks, we are back. Um, thank you again to our uh, show sponsors. So we're talking about this sort of new state of NIL management. We talked about the history of NIL. We talked about where it's coming from, where it's at. Uh, we're still sort of in infancy stages here. but We've talked about some of the um, some of the, the the processes that have been put into place for NIL, and the whole idea was that college athletes would have the ability to compete in an open market space for endorsement services, right? So this idea to make additional money, potentially even a living, uh, and and I think indeed that that has happened. I think there's clearly millions of dollars have been exchanged between players and brands. Obviously, some additional, you know, more funds for certain people, but there's definitely been some surprises uh, in the sense that um, there has been uh, a lot of money towards women's sports, which I don't think uh, maybe um, many people predicted. Um, I know that I have written about and I had talked about even on this show that that was likely to be the case. So it maybe was a minority there uh, because I felt that uh, social media was the driver of NIL. And if you had more followers, regardless of your gender, regardless of what sport you played, you were going to make money. So, uh, you know, cause again, the market is going to demand that not somebody else. And when the market is control is in control, you're gonna have a lot more freedom in that sense. Right. So, uh, that's sort of where we're at. And of course we talked about sort of several models for NIL schemes that were introduced, talked about state legislatures. We talked about the NCAA and what, what they were trying to do and what they're probably going to try to do with in terms of like a national structure, even if it's just a minimum threshold. We talked about all the non-college businesses that enter the space, giving education and financial guidance. So particularly, um, you know, we talked about uh, uh, tech groups getting involved like Open Doors. Um, but, we, you know, again, with these education and sort of financial guidance, uh, you might want to look at maybe like Altia Sports Partners. And then when you're talking about compliance groups like Athliance, um, which is sort of a mixture of the words athlete and compliance. So there's just been a lot of businesses getting into the space. And of course, at, um, agents and attorneys have always been in the space, right? But I think the point was that um, more and more businesses were getting involved because, well, one, it's an idea for the profit, but it's also the idea that it could help broker deals. It could help organize 
Uh, and it could really provide analytics on things, particularly in the tech space, right? So again, NIL continues to grow. Um, and as brands and college athletes gain more experience in this space and working together, you're going to continue to have more standards in the business. Uh, and, and frankly, the market share in industry will continue to, um, to grow. Now, of course, uh, part of the problem has been this idea of concern over competition. Um, Alabama's uh, Nick Saban had uh, made some concerns and complaints about potential for different um, universities using NIL laws to, um, to have uh, you know, more competition. I actually don't think that's a bad thing. I think the bad thing comes around when you use it for a recruiting tool in the sense of um, if you're going beyond the law, if you're breaking the law to bring in um, you know, athletes or doing things that are unethical, right? But I think if a state law has a law, the other state has the same ability to pass that law. And it's really to their disadvantage to not have something similar. Or they can um, stand on the values that they have and say, we're not going to do this. And, and that's their prerogative from a state perspective. But uh, and, and you know, clearly states do that when it comes to, um, you know, perfect example or maybe a, a, uh, an example. I don't know if it's perfect, but an example might be, you know, some states and some counties allow alcohol consumption and others don't, right? And, and there's dry counties and that sort of thing. So they, they clearly do it and uh, you're going to miss out on some of the profit making endeavors there. But at the end of the day, that's the other misnomer here is that states can't, unless they have a law that specifically says you cannot profit from your name, image, and likeness, you do not need a name, image, and likeness law to profit from your name, image, and likeness because it is all rested in rights of publicity. Now, some state laws might be more developed or what have you, but unless a college says you cannot do this, um, and of course, you're going to be hard pressed with that because NCAA has said that um, you cannot prohibit this. So it would look pretty funky if, if a school said you can't, you know, profit free name, image, and likeness. And in a somewhat related fashion, the Alston case in the Supreme Court, even though that was talking about um, athlete uh, educational benefits, uh, clearly, Justice Kavanaugh and the court in a 9-0 decision uh, came down hard on schools to say, and the NCAA in particular and say, you know, you need to allow more competition. You need to open up the market here. So I think schools would be in a tough position um, to do something different than that. Now, of course, through all of this, there's been some limitations, right? Limitations on sort of sin industry products. You know, you're not going to um, see athletes getting into sports betting or uh, alcohol, particularly in college. I don't think colleges are going to allow that. I think eventually an NCAA national sort of threshold will probably prevent it. Um, and then, of course, you know, certain state laws are different. Georgia has the whole uh, pooling principle where the money that comes in, some of it gets pulled back into the athletic department. So the last sort of vestige or maybe the latest twist is, again, this idea, and this is where we're going to close, is whether athletic college athletic departments will get into managing their student NIL accounts beyond compliance. Well, this has now occurred. The Ohio State University um, has uh, discussed, and I don't know if they have, but they, they, they may have done it already, is going to be hiring at least one employee that's going to be tasked with surveying and securing NIL deals for their, for Ohio State University college athletes while enrolled in school and playing sports. So this raises uh, many questions. 
The first is, will universities take a percentage of the college NIL deals? To me, as an administrator, this would make sense, right? You want to, if you're going to be working on something, and frankly, you need to pay for the salary of the individual who's doing this. Um, that's the argument I would make if I was an administrator. As a college student, maybe you say, no, I don't want that. I don't want the fee. I can do this on my own. I can hire my own people. Um, and then, of course, where does that leave the agents? Where does that leave the attorneys, particularly if those folks have been hired or if they're working on deals, right? So now is the talent or the athlete paying administrative fee to the school and then also to um, the agent or the attorney? Or is the university going to forego all this? It's, I mean, these are fascinating questions, right? Um, and it raises more questions as to is Ohio State University and, and other institutions, uh, universities that implement sort of similar program, are they, are they now acting like an agent for college athletes? Uh, I think is it raises the question of is there any impropriety in this? Is there any legal or ethical issues involved in universities securing profit-making endeavors for student athletes? Is this now a pay-to-play system where the universities might be incentivized to go out and land these deals for these players, either because they're getting paid or because uh, this is great for marketing? I mean, that was always the thing with NIL is that the universities are always going to benefit because anytime that you have a star quarterback and he's playing for a university, people are going to recognize him related to that university, regardless of whether there's footage of him playing or whether if there's a jersey or whatnot, people are going to know, uh, you know, a star athlete, you know, plays for a certain team, whether college or pro, um, you know, A-list actor, you recognize them to their best movies, right? And often quote lines from those movies. So college sports were the same thing and even maybe more so because you're tied to a team for a certain period of time, whether by contract or by going to school there or what have you. So uh, is there now going to be employment or misclassification concerns or maybe a renewed call for unionization by college athletes? Because now if you have universities bringing in money for these athletes, does that make them an employee? Particularly if the university is paying them if they're taking a percentage and then paying them. So I don't know. I mean, maybe there's an independent contractor, maybe it's an employee, but definitely raises some more concerns. And, you know, I'm sure Ohio State has thought about these things and, um, and other universities will too. But uh, again, these are just fascinating questions. Now, of course, the overall question is, is will the university's direct involvement with college athlete deal-making bring the university back into the situation that, I think, and many thought California's Fair Pay to Play Act sought to avoid, which was institutional control over athlete money making ability, uh, making ability off the field. So, you know, so again, NIL was all about uh, giving athletes the freedom to broker deals, make money, learn the business. Uh, maybe that can still happen under a model where the university brokers these deals and brings in the money and takes a percentage. And again, there's nothing in the report so far that Ohio State was going to be taking money from these deals, but to me, it seems like the inevitable conclusion as to what's going to occur, but that might just be me. Now, from a compliance and institutional oversight perspective, this is important because if the school is originating a deal, they're obviously going to know what's in the deal. So that does provide some institutional control, which might be the larger concern of the NCAA. But there are clearly concerns with this new model, as we talked about, right? 
particularly in recruiting efforts, because uh, this was as pointed out by Nick Saban, you could have a situation where you have um, a rush to hire NIL personnel as a marketing tool or even as an incentive to enroll. Uh, there may even be a sort of race or rush to the bottom and to say, let's continue to push this, push it further. On one hand, it's a race to the bottom. It could be a race to the top because as you bring in more athletes, maybe that makes you a better program. But again, these are all like very difficult questions. And again, is it getting away from the idea of an open market to give college athletes the opportunity to learn business and make a profit, which is what we should be doing anyway, right? You should be educating when you're in college. And again, it's not that OSU's um, program would take away from that, but these are, again, these are tough questions. These are things you're going to have to be thinking about. Um, does it set a dangerous precedent? Maybe if you're talking about colleges coming in to manage these deals and make money off these deals, I think so. I think it raises a lot of questions. Now, maybe the athletes like it. Maybe the athletes prefer uh, having somebody work these deals up from not hiring an agent. Uh, maybe it should be a choice. Maybe it should be a choice of you can have the university run it or you can do it, you know, you can hire somebody else, um, which I would probably feel more comfortable with. But again, tough questions and um, would love to, you know, see how this plays out and, and to sort of see where it goes next. But We'll see. I mean, I think anytime you can give athletes the freedom to make a choice, I think that's going to be the better idea. Um, the sort of this idea and the opportunity to experience to learn and gain wisdom, opportunity to make a profit. I think these are all good things. Um, but again, you have to factor in the compliance issue and institutional control and that sort of stuff. Uh, but there's clearly going to be some new issues when it comes to pay to play and what that looks like and uh, misclassification when it comes to employment. So uh, that's this week's show, folks. Again, I'm your host, Jeremy Evans. This has been the Believe in Sports Law podcast with Jeremy Evans. Thank you again for making Believe in Sports Law podcast the number one sports law podcast in the world. As always, appreciate you listening in. And we'll look forward to being back with you uh, next week, which will be February. And uh, have a great week. So thank you again for listening in. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube